Alright, so this is the last day. Um, we're going to spend a little time talking about how our funds are changing us, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to get real practical, alright? I'm not going to leave you with a bunch of like principles, we, we, I'm trying to cover those now, and then we're just going to get like, hey, what do I do? Sometimes I feel like a lot of us, especially the Pharisees of us, are like, give me what you do. But um, I, I do want to talk about what to do. I want to give you all some practical advice. So let's, let's just jump right into it. How else are our funds changing us? Well, we're losing our literacy. Okay? Now, what do I mean by that? Is that your generation reads more words than my generation did. But you retain less. Even though you're reading more words, you're retaining less of it. Because you're, you are being trained by, by the way you read to skim instead of to read for content. Alright? So, we skim for the highlights... We don't search for the deeper meaning and the context in which um, what we read. So let me give you an example from my own life of how this works, okay? Um, we used to have textbooks. Some schools don't even have those anymore. I don't, anyway. But, uh, and I, had, I carried a bunch of them in my backpack. And in my backpack, I had the straps all the way down because that was what was cool to do at the time. And like, it was like hanging really low. And that's why I have like borderline scoliosis. Um, <laughs> because I also didn't go to my locker. I went to a fairly large high school. And um, this won't mean anything except for the people from Tupelo. But like, I was in, I don't even know if these buildings are the same, but I was in the building closest to the principal's office where my locker was. And most of my classes were like, way out everywhere else. And so like I was not about to walk back to my locker and get books. So I just carried every book I had in my backpack, all right, which is super good for me. Um, but in those books, uh, you'd open it up and like this is especially true in junior high, is that they would have like terms that were in bold face. Like so it would be like, hey science class in eighth grade and we're um we're gonna take uh, we're studying like the plant life. And so, uh, read chapters one and two. We're gonna have a test on it on Friday, and it would be like, uh, so you'd be, you didn't have to read the chapters at all. That was the trick that I figured out, and that most people figured out, is that like you could just like skim, and then certain words would be bold faced. You'd be like photosynthesis. All right, need to know what that is. Read the sentence about what that is. Move on to the next one. Chlorophyll. Need to know about that. All right, what is chlorophyll? Sounds more like borophyll. Like, um. <laughs> so. Really old movie pool, but um, the uh, you know like you would like like mitochondria, like you would just like look at the terms and you would memorize those and you would memorize them for the test and you would make a, whatever you, grades you made on the test and you would forget those terms, all right? And like that's how uh, that was my education, which doesn't speak too well to me. But um, anyway, like that's not learning; that is just skimming. And uh, social media and our use of our phones encourages us to do this. It encourages us to skim, right? To just hit the highlights, all right? And to read the first paragraph of the story and, if, and maybe not even do that. Maybe just like click the picture, right? Click the video and the video will tell you what's going on. The writers and English majors used to love the internet. Uh, they still do, but they've learned. Like, they used to love, they thought that the internet was going to be the rise of this, like, oh, I'm a great writer, I'm going to get on the internet. And it turns out that people love watching videos way more than they like writing books, and so now all the writers are losing their jobs. But, um, so, you know, and that's, that's kind of the way it goes. You know, YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world um, after Google. Like, people love to watch videos. I learned to tie a bow tie, how to do maintenance on my car, how to do all kinds of things. People like to watch videos. We read, we read a ton, we read a lot of words, but we don't get context. Alright? We don't get context. And because of that, we struggle to concentrate on long pieces of literature. We struggle to, you guys know this, some of you have summer reading, and you're like, you're on that red badge of courage, the Lord of the Flies 
right now and you're just like, or whatever you're reading. And um, I just, if you get assigned to As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, just give up. Just become like, just leave school. It's the worst book ever. But um, they, uh, it's so hard to read. But like, you just can't get the context. You know, why is this important for us, okay? It's important for us because it turns out that our whole life is based on a book. Whoops. Like our whole life is based, like our what we believe is fundamentally true about life is a book. <laughs> it's not like a video series on Netflix. It's like, um, it is a book. And it's hard to read. And hear me say that. I am a pastor. Sometimes the Bible is very hard to read. Sometimes it's easy to read, right? You talk about like David hiding in the cave and cutting off Saul's robe and then being like, why he's using the bathroom? And being like, see, I could have killed you, but I don't. See, I'm on your team. You know, like, that's a cool story, right? Like, that's easy to read. But then like, you know, sometimes it gets really difficult to read, right? And we, our whole life is based on this book, right? And we are, we are training ourselves because of our phones to be bad at reading. Uh-oh. Alright. Look at what God says. This is probably the most important passage in the Old Testament. If you were to ask any um, Orthodox Jew, anyone who like was, you know, a truly like trying to follow the Jewish religion, if you said like what's the most important passage in, in, in the Jewish Bible, they would say this. A hundred percent. No one would say any others. So Deuteronomy six, fourth race called the Shema. Alright? I just some of this is gonna sound really familiar to something we've talked about earlier, but I'm just going to read this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That sounds oddly familiar. And these words, this is what I want to pay attention to, though. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and there shall be a frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on your door, on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates. Now, if you get anything from that passage, okay, there's a lot to draw from that. Okay, there's a, we could do a whole you know, like series on just this passage. If you get anything from this passage, you definitely get this: that God wants His people to take His word very seriously. He wants it to be an integral part of their life, right? He wants them to think about it, to talk about it, to teach it, to have it put up everywhere. He says, "Look, what I'm telling you, my word is very important. You need to steep yourself in my word." Right? And the New Testament says the same thing. What does the New Testament say? This is from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is a problem for us. Okay, This is a big problem for us. Is that we are training ourselves to be bad readers and reading the Word is an important part of our faith. Right? We, we, can't, we wouldn't want to skim the Scriptures. We don't want to... People do skim the scriptures. They do. And they do this thing called eisegesis where they take one verse out of context and they say, well, that has some kind of wisdom. Like, you know, someone commits some grievous sin in the community, in your community, and like does something. Maybe they embezzle some money or they commit adultery or whatever it is. And then a bit, in most cases, somebody, if, you, if that comes up in conversation, someone might like say, well, judge not lest you be judged. Okay, that is like the worst use of scripture ever. Like, but if you skim scripture, that's what you do. Or let me give you another example. Um, 
The big football game is tonight, guys. We're getting ready. We're getting our eye black on. We're getting our tape on. We're going to write some Bible verses. We're going to maybe a Philippians 4.13 right here on our, on our ankle tape because we're going to win. I saw a funny, um, I don't know if y'all know what Babylon B is, but I saw a Babylon B uh, headline that was um, two Christian schools locked in nine hour uh, <laughs> nine, nine overtime game um, because both invoked Philippians 4.13. <laughs> See, that's like skimming Scripture. Like, if you really understood, I don't have time to preach Philippians 4.13 to you, but really what Philippians 4.13 is, is I can endure anything. I can endure anything. Paul talks about how he can be hungry or homeless because he's in Christ. It has nothing to do with, like, poning the news. Like, it has nothing to do with that. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, dominating on the field. Like, that is completely the opposite of that. It's about being subject to... Um, being ostracized and being beaten and being persecuted and being able to endure those things because you're doing them for Christ. But when we skim Scripture, that's what we get. Right? We can't skim Scripture, guys. We can't. We can't let the way that we read this affect the way that we read the most important thing that we read, which is God's Word. Alright? It's an important thing. Alright. Also, we're getting lonelier. And this is the last one before we start getting to jump to the practical side. Because of our phones, because we're addicted to our phones, we're getting lonelier. Here's what I want to say first and foremost. Technology drives us apart. Anyone who tells you that technology brings us together does not understand technology. Okay? Technology drives us apart. It really does. Because technology, especially this technology, encourages mediated communication instead of unmediated communication. We talk less face-to-face when we can default to texting, voicemailing, Snapchatting, uh, emailing, uh, all te- uh, you know, even phone calls, right? All that is mediated communication. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, okay? It used to be back in the day that if you wanted to hear live music, if you wanted to hear music at all, Alright? The only music was live music. There was no recorded music, alright? So if you want to hear any musical sound whatsoever, alright, you had to make it yourself, or you had to sing yourself, or you had to get in your horse and buggy and go down to the local symphony and we all listened to like, you know, Beethoven or, you know, Mozart or you know the, the symphony would play, and that's how you heard music. There there was no other way to hear music. That was it. You would go to the concert hall and you would listen to music. But then Someone figured out how to record music, all right? And they invented, like, a Victrola, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, that's not, actually not a Victrola, but let's, let's not worry about that. It's a phonograph. But um, they invented a way to record music. And even still, though, you had that big horn where the music came out, and it didn't come out very loud. And so everyone would have to, like, even if you had one of those, I don't know if you've seen Downton Abbey, but they get one of these in Downton Abbey, I think, at some point, or they already have one. And... Um, I love when Professor McGonagall just wrecks people in Dallas Abbey. It's so cool that, that, that they're, they're in the same universe. Um, they, uh, that's how I watch Dallas Abbey. I just assume that's Professor McGonagall. Um, and, uh, but uh, you would all have to gather around in the living room. Like everyone had to come downstairs or come, you know, we gather around and we listen. So whatever we're going to listen to was the music or you know the radio like this, and, and they got more sophisticated. My, I put this in here only because my dad had one of these that looked exactly like this. My dad and he would never let me touch those knobs. Like they were really like heavy knobs that you had to like turn. Like it felt good to turn them. You know what I mean? And like because I definitely like messed with it when he wasn't looking. But I would get in big trouble if I messed with this. Like 
<laughs> it's so funny now because that's a complete piece of garbage um, compared to what we have. But like, so we had stereos, and then we figured out a way to make stereos portable. Like, we could use a ton of batteries, big batteries. This is called a boombox. If you weren't alive in the '80s, and um, people would carry. This was like this guy. Y'all have dabbing, we have this. So, like, this is something that people did. I don't judge your generation. You do weird things, we do weird things too. Um, but you could, like, carry your music around with you. But still, everyone could hear it. And then we were like, hey, what if we could, what if I could find a way to listen to my music that wasn't, like, totally disrupting to everybody else? What, and so they invented this thing called the Walkman. And the Walkman used this thing called a tape. And don't worry about that and what it was. You just need to know this. You couldn't select tracks, all right? You had to, like, rewind and kind of guess when the song you wanted started and, like, fast forward it all, went too far, and then rewind. All the older people in here are laughing. It was terrible, okay? There's, I'm very thankful for this that that is gone, all right? But, um, <clears throat> side note. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to get there. All right. <laughs> then we got... CD players, right? Portable CD players. This was huge. This was when I was in high school. This was gigantic. A CD where you could select what song you wanted to listen to, but you could only listen to one CD at a time, guys. But this was like all my church trips. I had a janky one, and it would like, um, I only had, it had to be at a certain angle to play right, or it would skip everything. Like, but so we had those, and then we got these, right? And so then we got iPods, and now we can listen to more artists. We can make our own playlist, right? This is a really old iPod, as you can see. Like that's like with the tactile buttons and all that. I'm pretty sure Adele was in high school when this iPod came out, so I don't know. That's got to be photoshopped. But um, like, so we got those, and now, and now we have, you know, now that we have these, right? You know, they're attached to our phones, and Look, okay, what I want you to notice, look, I, I have AirPods, okay? So I know some people are like, oh, look, now you're rich. I'm not rich, okay? That's not what's happening here. But, like, do you know how easy it is to, like, put these on and turn on something and listen to it, like, while I'm walking wherever I go, whatever? Who hears the music? Just me. Now, and did you notice what's happened as technology has gotten better? How many people have listened to the music? Fewer and fewer people until it's just me that listens to the music and no one else. It's no longer a shared experience. Music technology is driving us apart, not together, right? Now, in some ways you can say, well, you know, I like the song, you like the song, and we talk about it. But like, we share that experience. It's an experience that we have individually and then we talk about it later, whereas it used to be a communal experience. where we, Technology is isolating us. All right, it's making us lonely. The other thing, well, we've already talked about this. We are alone in public and we're never alone in private. Um, we're going to skip past that, past that and just move on to this. You're sleeping, you, you're sleeping the worst of any generation that's ever existed. You're getting less sleep and the sleep you get is not good. Okay? And here's why. It's because the very worst thing that you can do, listen, I studied, I, I did most of the research for this. Um, like read most of the books. When last November, and um, and one thing that came out over and over again was this: is that the very worst thing that you can do is go to sleep looking at your phone. It's like one of the worst things you can do. Your phone emits blue light, and they're trying to um, mitigate this with like nighttime mode or dark mode, but it doesn't actually help as much as they advertise it does. Um, but every study shows that, like that blue light. Your eyes are trained naturally, right? That when blue light arrives, arrives, that means, oh, it's morning. It's time to wake up. 
So you're actually kind of like tricking your brain into thinking that it should be time to wake up when you're trying to get to bed, when you sit there and stare at your phone at night. It's, and what it's causing you to do is you're staying up later looking at it, right? And then also you're sleeping less. I mean, you're not sleeping as well. You're sleeping less, but you're also, you're not, you're not getting deep, as deep sleep, and it's hurting you, all right? This is, a, this is not like a debate. Like, this is not a debate. This is, these are facts, all right? This is straight facts right here. Like, everyone agrees on this. This is not some kind of Christian idea. This is just like what they've observed, all right? So we're sleeping. And because of that, also, we're more depressed. Now, this is another thing that just... Like, there's, when you see it in a graph, you're just like, okay, that is crazy. But, like, there are all these graphs that I saw when I was doing... when I was studying for this. Um, I taught this in like a, a long session to our whole church a while back. So, um, but I showed them the graphs. I'm not going to bore, I'm not going to bore y'all with the graphs right now, but just know this. that like, they have like the nineties and two thousands and two, and like, um, and then the 2010s where we are now, they had them all like lined out like this and they had like teenage suicide. What's going on? Okay. We're fine. All right. They had, um, they had teenage suicide. They had like a chart, all right? And like you saw teenage suicide like rise up like this. And then they had, like, I guess for y'all, it would rise up this way. And then like, and then they had, um, then they had uh, uh, teenagers who were prescribed antidepressants. And like, it was, it was like this. And then like you saw it rise at the exact same time, like in the timeline. And then it was like teenagers who, um, who admit to having depression or, or, or diagnosed with depression and it was like roused up. So it's that all those graphs and they all rose up kind of at the same time. And you get, then they had a separate graph, all right? And it was rise, it was the same exact timeline and it was like social media use and it rose up at the exact same way, all right? Now that is not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. That, that is a correlation, all right? The more that we stand on our phones, the more time we stand on our phones, the more depressed we get, all right? These are, look, I'm... It's, it's, it's just facts at this point. Like, it's just making us depressed. And who in here has not been really upset and gotten on their phone and, or like have been, been having a bad day and got on their phone and it just seems like everyone else is having a good day and you feel even worse about yourself. You feel even worse. Okay, we're going to have to close that door. You come on. Come on inside, man. We're going to close that door. You got it. The vacuum's probably up. You know, that, that's for everyone. Um, you feel even worse. You feel, you're like, I'm having these problems, and these people are like living their best life, right? Because all people only put their best life on social media. And it's making you even more depressed, right? Because no one is putting their sad days on. So our screen use and our depression, they're directly correlated, all right? Now, what does the scripture tell us, okay? What does God want to offer us? He wants to offer us two things in direct opposition to what I've just talked about. Instead of making us tired, God wants to give us rest. And instead of making us lonely, God wants to put us in community. This first passage is the one that I really like. This is Exodus 33, 14. This is when God shows His glory to Moses. And He said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this is where Moses was like, Lord, if you don't go with us, then don't send us on. Because no matter what happens, we can't go without you. And what does he say he's going to give him? What are the two things he says he's going to give him? He's going to give him community. I'm going to be with you. And he's going to give him rest. Right? 
This is Joshua. Remember the word that the remember the remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, "The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden." This is Jesus in Matthew eleven, and I will give you rest. What is the gospel offering us? It's offering us the very thing that phones are trying to take away from us. All right, it's taking away our rest and it's taking away our community and making us lonely. And the, the gospel is, is the only answer to that. The gospel says, I want to give you rest. Rest is important and I want you to be restful. That's what the church is, guys. And I want to give you a community, a local community of people who can encourage you. When you go to church, okay, when you go to church, it, you ought to be refreshed from church. I know that some of you aren't. For some of you, going to church is a chore, all right? Like, because maybe you don't want to wake up or... Because you always have to go because you're like a pastor's kid, so you have to be there, you know, like or whatever it is. Like, like for some of you, but church that church is designed for you to receive, to be re-energized, to be renewed um, within the community of believers. Right? Christianity is a, is a religion of rest, um, and it's a religion of community. You're not doing Christianity on your own, right? You're not doing it on your own. It's not a solo squad. It's not a solo. It's, it's a squad game, right? Like you can't do it by yourself. And these are the things that these are the things that our phone is taking from us. And these are the very things that God wants to give us. So this is this is important. Okay, I've said the problems. Okay, let's get practical. And um, we've got okay, we've got 20 minutes. So let's get practical. All I'm going to do now. I'm going to say this first, and then I'm going to do the practical side, which is this. I'm about to give you some practical um, ideas. You're not going to like or want to do many of them. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, what I want you to hear me say more than anything is this, as I give you these like guidelines, is that if you do these well or if you don't do them well, God loves you all the same. All right, like your relationship with God is in Christ. I mean, surely you've gotten that from what she's been saying. He's like hammering at home. But like your relationship with God is in Christ. It's not in how well you manage your phone addiction. All right. All the same, if you'd like to put your phone under the lordship of Jesus Christ, I've got some tips on how you might be able to do that. Okay. And so that's what this is. But don't ever. Some of you are going to take these and you're going to be like, when you're going to do them, and you're going to like rock it out for a week or for a month, and you're going to be looking at people and be like, well, I'm so much better than so and so. Okay, you're a budding Pharisee and you need to go to a different class. Um, but you're me in high school, so congratulations. You're going to have a lot of pain in the future. But um, so much darkness. Um, that's not what this is designed for. Now, I want to be really careful about laying down like guidelines because the Pharisees and all of us are like, Ooh, give me some rules, give me something to do. But at the same time, like, I don't want to leave you helpless. So here we go. Okay, what do we do? Um, first of all, all right, a really practical, easy thing to do. All right, easy thing. Turn off all notifications that are non-essential. So for me, I'll give you my example. Okay, I just use me. And again, when I talk about what I'm doing, I'm still trying to do this. I have not arrived. Some of the things I'm suggesting you do, I haven't done yet, or haven't been able to do successfully for an extended period of time. So don't think that in any way that I've arrived. But this is something that I did that's really easy to do, which is you go into your phone and you turn off all the notifications for everything but texting and calling. Okay, if someone really needs to get in touch with you, and it's an emergency, they're going to call you. Honestly, like what are they doing? Text, text an emergency. 
But the um, but like texting and calling. So that means that your phone only buzzes when that happens. In other words, what you're saying is, I'm not gonna let this thing constantly be drawing my attention. I'm gonna say, look, you can't talk to me right now. Alright? Sometimes you have to tell people that. Some of you have different people in your life and they want to take them for your time and be like, hey look, you can't talk to me right now. Okay, I gotta set this boundary. Well I, I will set that time where we can talk, but not right now. You know, you don't need to know, you know. All the different things that your phone wants you to know. You just don't need to know them. Alright? You don't need to know. My phone only buzzes for three things. It only buzzes when I get a call. It only buzzes when I get a text. Or it buzzes if Mississippi State does something um, in sports. Um, and it does typically a loss. We lost, last night it was that we got locked off. So, um, which is kind of part for the course for us. But um, the... Uh, like, that's the only time. Like, because I don't watch a lot of live sports, so if I don't get that, I won't know. If, I didn't even know. That. That's how I found out that we won a loss. So, anyway, there's only times that my phone does anything. Like, I don't let it, like, I don't, like, let any other app, like, tell me stuff. And, um, you know what that does? Is it means that my phone is not buzzing a lot. And that means that I'm not constantly wanting to look at it. So, I'm training myself. I'm trying to keep myself from, like, being pavlovianly um, trained to constantly be going after it. Delete apps that you don't need. Non-essential apps. And even some apps that you do need, maybe delete them, right? Your phone is cluttered with all this stuff. Get rid of it, right? Get rid of it. Get rid of anything that you don't use, right? You don't want to put that on there. You're like, that's just a temptation to get into something when you're really bored. And you're like, I don't have anything to do. And you really should be doing something else. Like, you just go to some old app that you got and play some stupid game. Like, you bounce the ball and you twist the thing and whatever. So, um, keep your phone... Out of your bedroom. This is probably the most important thing I'm going to tell you on this page. Just keep your phone out of your bedroom. Now, a lot of you have already read this and you're like, well, I, my phone wakes me up. Hey, they have these things called alarm clocks. They are super cheap. You, you think phones are expensive? Man, let me tell you about alarm clock. They are so cheap. Um, get one. They're cheap. All right? Get an alarm clock and put your phone, charge your phone in the kitchen or charge your phone in the living room or like tell your phone good night at a certain time of night and tell your phone good morning like after you've gotten up and gotten ready. Like how are you going to wake up in the morning and do a devotional when you've got like 12 notifications? It's just not going to happen. Let's be honest, okay? That requires so much more self-discipline than just not having your phone in the bedroom. That's like, that's Kurt's level of self-discipline. I just put the phone somewhere else, all right? Because if it's there, I'm going to want to look at it. Right? So don't wake up to it and don't don't let it be the last thing that you see at night and don't let it be the first thing that you see in the morning. Get an alarm clock, keep it out of your bedroom. You will sleep better, you'll sleep more, and you'll sleep better. Alright? It's this is you will thank me if you try this. Alright, that's all I'll say. Let's move on. Use a self-restricting app to limit your use. If you don't feel like you can if you feel like you're constantly feel the need to check what's going on, to look what's going on, then Limit yourself. Like, get something that says, like, hey, you can't, you know, you can only look at, you know, social media for an hour a day. All right? So, you know, there's an app called Moment that will tell you, like, exactly how much. Um, now Apple does this, too, with screen time. But, like, they'll tell you exactly how much time. You, some of you, when that started happening, like, when you started getting the update, like, maybe in church on Sunday mornings, like, your, your phone would buzz and you'd look over at it because you're looking at your phone in church which says something, um, but uh, without saying something that says a lot, like you get that, sometimes I come out of church and I'd open up my phone and look at it and it would, like the screen time would be up there and it would, I would be like, whoa, like that's, I thought I was doing pretty good. It's pretty, some of you have got like, let's just say you've got five and a half, five hours, 
of screen time of daily use. I would say that's probably average, or maybe even below average for some people in the youth group. But, um, so you got five hours. Times seven, that's 35 hours. Okay? That's a full, almost a full-time job of you looking at your phone. So maybe we should find something that kind of restricts our use so that we're not tempted to do that. Alright? Maybe we don't need to watch that many episodes on Netflix. Like maybe just one will do instead of nine. Okay? <laughs> we don't need to finish like Stranger Things 1 and 2 like this week. Um, probably don't need to do that. Check your phone on your schedule. Don't let the phone tell you when to check it. You set aside time to check your phone. Alright? This is what... Every successful businessman does this. Alright? I've, I've, I've read it over and over again. I don't check my email until after lunch. I refuse to check my email until after lunch. And why do they do that? They'll tell you. Because I want my day to run on my schedule. I, want, I know what's important what i got to get done. And if I check my email in the morning, there's going to be a bunch of things. And I'm going to spend time doing other people's things. And what I know that I need to get done is going to get pushed to the background. So, like, if there are your parents in here, I would tell you to do that. But, like, set aside time to check your phone. All right? I'm not saying you can't check it. Set aside time to do it. Right? So that you check it on your schedule, you're not constantly answering to it. Invite people to criticize you. If you try to do this, it will be hard, especially if no one else is doing it. So invite people to criticize you or to hold you accountable for how you use your phone. Right? If someone says, hey, if you say, hey, to someone, will you, am I on my phone a lot around you? If they say yes, don't be like, I'm dead. Um, that's what you want. That's the answer that you want. Because now you know what you need to do. The problem's real, right? Like, that's what you want. You want accountability and criticism. I didn't say invite praise. Invite criticism. Criticism is hard, but... Like, all the criticism that I receive is really hard to take. And when I receive it, I receive it so poorly, okay? But all of it is for my good. Like, all of it. Every one of it. And what stings about it is that it's true. All right, let's move on. Um, fast. Fast from your phone. Now... Some of you are going to, what I'm about to say, some of you are like, I just can't do that. And I want to say, before I even suggest what this, is that, look, everyone look at me right now. You can do this. Okay, what I'm about to say, you absolutely can do. I feel like I'm a personal trainer right now. But I, um, I know I don't look like one, but uh, I, you, you can do this. Okay, this is, and fasting is a biblical concept. Okay, it's like we're going to stop doing this thing that we think we need to remind ourselves what we really need, which is God and God alone. So we're going to do this. One waking hour a day, we're just going to turn our phone off. We're just going to turn it off. We're going to turn it off and we're not going to care what happens. Whatever happens, happens. All right? We're just going to turn it off for one waking hour a day. All right? And we're going to devote that time to reading God's Word or to getting work done or to developing relationships with friends or to whatever it is. We're just going to turn it off for an hour a day. All right? And we're also going to turn it off for a whole day in the week. Now some of you are like, this is impossible. Hear me again. You can do this, okay? We're going to turn it off for an hour a week. All right, we're, I mean, for, for, for one day in the week. Whatever day. I, I might suggest Sunday, all right? Sunday's already the Lord's Day, all right? So just turn your phone off and enjoy the Lord's Day. There's all kinds of fun things in, that you can get into on a Sunday, you know what I mean? There's tons of fun stuff that you can do. Um, and, and honor the Lord in, in that rest. So one, and then one week a year. For a whole week, we're going to turn off our phone. We're going to just be like, I'm off the grid this week. Now, I, I will say that this is easier for me to do because I have 
I'm blessed enough to have this kind of built-in structure in my life. Like, for instance, we go on mission trips um, to where we can't have our phones, all right? Or we go, like, on youth trips sometimes we just can't. Also, my phone has terrible coverage because AT&T is straight garbage. So, like, <laughs> um, so, so sometimes I'm not even trying to do this and I'm doing it. Like, um, like our bus driver's been trying to call me, like, all week. And I'm like, sorry, bro. I just don't, I don't get it. Um, but, like, I have this built in. But if you try and do this, do you know what's going to happen? Is you're going to take ownership of your phone. It's going to become yours instead of you belonging to it. You're going to say, you're setting a boundary. This is so important to learn, especially in high school, because this is important for relationships and everything. It's like, we're, you're going to come this far, and you're only going to come this far. right? We're going to build a fence right here, and I'm going to let you come this far, but I'm not going to come any further. Right? And that's what you're doing to your phone, is you're taking control of it. This is like budgeting, right? Like, I have to pay bills, and I, like, and I only have so much money to pay with. So I have to, like, limit the things that I do. Or this is like working out, right? Like, who runs a marathon the second that they decide they want to do it? No one. We're going to take our time, and we're going to do it slowly and surely, and eventually we can become really good at this. And I'm telling you, oh, I feel like this is just going to... I feel like most people are going to hear this and they're just going to be like, well, I could never do that. Everyone in this room can do this. I firmly believe it. I, I believe it with every fiber of my being that everyone in this room can do this. And this is just basic. This is really basic stuff. Like, you do this, you just watch how much more time you have. Like, it's just like, I'm, going to, I'm getting on a rant here, but when you start to tithe for the first time, which I started doing in college, I started tithing, um, and I didn't have, I had more money than I thought I did. But what you find out when you start to really tithe um, and, and give money to the church is that turns out you have way more money than you thought. Because when you tithe and you give away 10% of your, um, of your money, you get real concerned about that 90%. You start paying extra careful attention to it, right? Because you that's and like if you give away some of your fun time, like if you just give it away, you know what? The fun time that you do use will be really productive. It'll be much better. You're not going to waste it, right? Like most of us do. Just all right, move on. Um, give over full access to your phone. I have a reputation that I've earned, honestly, at RYM for hating on Snapchat, and I still hate it, but I hate it less. Um, I've come to, well, just no one really listens to me and everyone's on it, so um, I just got tired of, of saying it. But, like, one, why I don't like Snapchat is because people can't, like, keep up with what you're doing on there. That's, and I, I just never do well in those situations, and so, and I know a lot of people don't do well. But you, someone needs to have full access to your phone. First of all, it's not yours. If you're a student here, it's not yours. You're not paying for it. All right? It's someone else's phone. So if your parents want to look at it, they deserve to look at it, everything that you're doing. And even if you are paying for it, you need someone to have full access to what you do. You need accountability. That is like a basic Christian concept, okay? It's like you need, some, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, all right? Like, I'm not going to pull it up. And again, I don't like to talk about what I do, like anything that makes me look good. But and in some ways this makes it look bad too, so I guess it's fine. But like I don't even have Safari on my phone. I don't have it on my phone. You know, I have my phone. I have this app called Covenant Eyes, and this is not an ad for them. You can use it or not use it. It's whatever. But everything that I look at on my phone and on my laptop, every website I visit, it, it's logged. There's a list of it, and uh, they grade them too and check them out, and they send them to my wife. They send her everything. You know. And you know why I have that. Do I have it because I enjoy that or because Covenant Eyes is a good web browser? It is not. It is a really crappy web browser, okay? It is terrible. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, 
all this is not worth it. Like, I cannot get one page to load. Um, does it keep your bookmarks? It's, it's garbage. But you know why I need that? It's because guess what? Sometimes I'm tempted to look at things I shouldn't look at. Alright? I am. I'm a 39-year-old pastor. I guarantee you guys are too. So you know what? I need someone to hold me accountable. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Alright? I need someone to hold me accountable on a ton of things. Because Christianity is not a solo game. I cannot do it on my own. I have to have someone to watch over me. Alright? I have to have someone to hold me accountable. So give over full access to your phone to somebody. A safe person. Alright? Not your boyfriend or girlfriend. Please. Um, someone will try that, by the way. That's like... When I teach this at middle school RYM, someone will be like, I let my girlfriend be like, oh my gosh, just get out of here right now. No, I'll, I'll be really gentle and pastoral. Um, create more than you consume. All this does is consume. Like, when I, was in, when I was in college, I would realize that I just didn't have a lot of assets to bring to the table. Like, and I was not going to find a wife if I didn't, like, really work on me a little bit. And um, so I, like, looked around, and I was like, what can I do? And I was like, athleticism, done, all right? That's out, all right? Girls don't really care about that, by the way. That's like a, that's, that's kind of the joke about it. Who really cares about is other boys. Um, the, uh, just like boys don't care about girls' clothes, it's uh, girls, the other girls who care about that. But, um, but I was like, what do I need to do? I was like, well, I can't. I could learn to play guitar. I was like, girls like guys who play guitar. And so I was like, so I just like, I just got on the grind on the guitar. And I like went after it. And I learned how to play. And I started playing for RUF. And one day after, one day after worship uh, at RUF, we were finished. And this girl came up to me and was like, man, I really like the music. And I married that girl. So what's up? It worked. <laughs> She absolutely fell for it. Um, if she only knew. Um, if she only had known at that point. She, um, so, but you know what? Like, learn to play an instrument. You can't do that on here. Okay? I know some of you are going to be like, well, I could look up a YouTube video on how to play. I, please. Please. Okay? You, that takes time. Learn to create. Draw. Write. Find a creative outlet. Right? Because if you if all you're doing is on this, all you're doing is consuming, right? And we're not made to consume, we're made to create. We're made in God's image. I, we're made to um, order the chaos and fill the emptiness as God did when he created. We're made we're not we're not made to consume, we're made to be consumed. Our God is a consuming fire, so create more than you consume. And use some car time as conversation time. I drive my first grader to school. And I see a lot of my students, like, um, they go to the same school, uh, like, getting out of their cars or whatever. But when I leave, when I get out of the carpool line and I'm driving back, I'm driving past all the people who are behind us who are late. Um, or, because we're typically late, they're really late. Um, but the middle school line, it's two schools at this road that have to use this road. So it's like a ton of, like, parents dropping people off. But you see all the middle school people are like, uh, like, the mom is driving the car, and the middle school kid is, like, totally down on the phone, like, just doing whatever. And I, when I look at that, what I think is, man, what a waste. What a waste. Because you can really get to know your parents and your siblings and your friends in your car, right? Instead of just immediately going to your phone and being like, if your parents are here, I would say, don't let your kids use their phone in the car. And I'm not even talking about texting and driving. That's obvious. But, like, just talk. You know, your parents, like, dated folks and, like, you know, played sports and, like, 
we're student body president and we're in the chorus and like did all kinds of like they were like back a long time ago they were cool probably cooler than you I'm just gonna be honest they um like maybe there's a there's at least a 50 50 chance right like like they were like get to know them and let them get to know you all right you you will thank you'll be so thankful for those those um, conversations in the car okay um. Before we, I want to do one more thing before we close, but I've already told you all this in a large group. These are the books that you should be reading if you want to read books on this. This is the number one book. You should definitely read it. 12 Ways Your Finance Change. You, you read it, you're going to be like, wait a second. Kurt, that's a lot of what Kurt talked about. I'm telling you right now. I stole a lot of this from Tony Reinke. Um, secondly, uh, Irresistible by Adam Alter. It's a good book. And then lastly, if you really want to take this seriously, if you're a mom or a dad and you want to read a book, this guy, his plan is called Almost Amish. And he says that sarcastically, but like he is like really dialed back technology in his house, and all of his kids like play an instrument and paint and do all kinds of things. They're really creative because they don't consume as much. Okay, I know we gotta go, but I do uh, I do want to leave some time for some questions and comments. So for the next like couple minutes, we're gonna do that, and then we might be able to touch light. All right, I'm gonna let I'm gonna go with you first, and then I'm gonna go to you, Jason. Um, I was reading the years as a book. I read that. If you check your phone average for like three hours a day, it ends up being like 11 years off of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that for a second. 11 years of your life. This, by the way, is that book not good? It's, it is. Really I don't give you money from that, by the way, by just saying it. It's just good, the bottom line. Do you hear that? If you just check your phone three hours a day, which is probably less than you check your phone, that's 11 years of your life you're going to spend on your phone. What? Yes, Jason. Just another practical thing. Um, so I grew up, I'm ADD, I have limited bandwidth and all that, and I found myself being constantly distracted by my phone. I call it the, my distraction machine. And I ended up, and I figured out that one of the key things that kept me coming back to my phone is that I used the phone's calendar. Yeah. I quit using the calendar. Me too. All together. Me and too. I keep a physical... Paper calendar? Paper calendar. I just bought one like a month ago. And it is... It is truly transformed and last year last year was the first complete year that I've done that and I was able to go back and look at things and I was actually able to hone in on you know from a business standpoint when did I peak this last year what was yeah. I doing leading up to that and it's just but it's just a beautiful way there's a, there's a connection with writing something a hundred percent in your hand and, and the calendar the calendar if you are logging everything in the calendar you have to go in there and then all of a sudden you get sidetracked and it's just like a dog chasing a squirrel. You know, if you write something down when you're hearing it, then you retain it 80%, well, you retain 80% more of it than you would if you just listened to it. Um, does anyone else have any questions? Because I, I do have two things I want to say. But if you have another question, I'll, I'll take it at this point. I, don't, I, might, I probably don't have the answer, but I'll, I'll try. Anyway, go for it. So for your fasting days, yeah. um, what do you do if, if your phone like, is your distraction machine? Like, yeah. You don't have a landline. Well, I don't have a landline. So... I mean, if somebody needs to get in touch with you that week. Well, see, my day off is Friday. My day, my day off is Friday. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you've already answered your own question that we trust God with those things. The other thing is that, like, you know, I'm not a doctor on call. Like, like, and my day off is Friday. So that's like my Sabbath, kind of. And it turns out people don't have a ton of spiritual problems on Friday. Um, turn, um, just, I mean, speaking very sarcastically, but like, you know, like, turns out, like, I'm not typically needed. But if I need to be got in get in touch with, someone can get in touch with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that they don't know where I live. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but yeah, like, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, like, if you're a doctor, like, your husband cannot do that, okay? I'm just thinking, like, I'm a mom, and so... Oh, well, yeah. You know, leaving the kids at home, they need to... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for you, for you, you're you're gonna want to fast, and maybe you don't do it like a whole day, but you're gonna want to do your fast time when you know that you're with your kids. You're not gonna want to set up a time to fast from your phone when your kids are bungee jumping. You know what I mean? Like that's. Um, but I mean, that's a valid question. Also, I'll say two things. One person called me out and was like, "Hey, how can you talk about this when you have an Apple Watch?" All right, in the last hour, and everyone was like, "Ooh!" And then I got to confess to them that I don't know how to use my Apple Watch. That my that I wrote this in November, and my wife gave it to me as a Christmas present, um, and I still don't know how to use it. I had to, and I, but because I have all my notifications turned off on my phone, this thing only buzzes when I get a text, when I get a call, or um, you know the circles if you have one, like your activity circles. It's been buzzing a lot while I've been here, and it's been like, "Hey." Are you in great peril? Like, <laughs> you've done. You normally do this amount of exercise. You've done seven hundred percent of your exercise. Should I not? So, like, I don't know how to use it. Like, I have to get someone to show me that it will tell me my heartbeat. Like, I so, like, anyway, like, don't assume that. Like, I have no idea. I should probably just get a regular watch. Um, the last thing I want to say, the most important thing is this, because I know we got to go. Is I just. I cannot hammer this home enough. Is that if you try this, it will be hard and you will mess up, and that's okay. Alright? Lots of people who start working out or start trying to better themselves in any way, like they struggle at first. Right? There's gonna be a struggle. But whether you're struggling or whether you're killing it, you're in Christ. You're struggling in Christ, you're addicted to your phone in Christ, and you're and if you're doing great, you're doing great in Christ. Right? That's what Richie's been saying, and that's true for this too. Let me um, let me pray for us to close this. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We pray you bless our meal, and um, we pray that you would show us how great you are, um, so that everything else paled in comparison. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.